Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. So good. Thanks, guys. Welcome to church, everybody. We have a 920 prayer meeting that goes on here if you would like to join us every Sunday morning, um, which we got to pray about the fires there too. They're nasty, that's for sure. Sorry, don't mind me. As my husband said, my name is Brittany. We are the location pastors here in the city, and we absolutely love Calgary. We love C3. We love you all, and we're so happy you're here with us. God gave me a few words um, during worship, and so one of them was for you, Fien. Um I just saw God just doing, you know, the time signature, and he was just like, he's in sync, and he was just doing this, up, down, over, so just know he knows your heartbeat, that you're in time with him, just keep in line. And that's all I saw was this. So you know what that means. If you're not a musician or whatever, this is time signature in choirs, <laughs> um, which is good. Um, Kieran, you. Um, I got Psalms 22, I think it was. Yeah. It starts off by, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Can I just tell you he hasn't? He goes on to crying out of, Yet you are still holy. You might have felt like God's abandoned you, but he hasn't. And yet you're still worshiping him, and he knows that. He's there. He's there in the dark days. He's there in the good days. He's with you. Amen. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Just getting my groove here, feeling it out. Um... My action figure, we're in a series right now called Action Figures of the New Testament. Old Testament, sorry. Getting ahead of myself. Let's go back. Old Testament. And I get this, um, God's really, really speaking to me about my good friend Eve. Ooh, good friend. We go back to Genesis. Um, growing up, my sister and I actually had this inside joke that we would say to each other when we were around, and we would say, Oh, if something went wrong or mom sent us to a, a room, we would look to each other and be, say, oh, it's because Adam and Eve sinned. And then we'd be like, yeah, and we'd think it's funny, and then we'd go into timeout and all that. And that's not why I want to speak on her. Um, but it all comes back to that time where sin entered the world. And I don't want us to start building walls up because we think we know the story. I want us to come with a new perspective and a, um, an eagerness an open heart to hearing what God wants to speak to us today. In Genesis, the book of Genesis, the Genesis in Hebrew actually means in the beginning. What is written in the first and second chapters is that God's talking about creation, how he built it, how he created heavens and the earth. He created man in his own image. And then chapter three takes us into the most magnificent garden that there ever was, 
and in that same chapter takes us out. Eve's name means life. In the beginning, the first woman received the name that represents life. And in her lineage would come Jesus. I'm going to talk on three points today. Number one, the consequence of choices. Number two, the power of shame. And number three, the covering of mercy. My subtitle is even, even though. See what I did there? Even though. So if you have your Bibles, um, it won't be on the screen, but we're going to turn to the book of Genesis. It says in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed breath of life into the man's nostril, and the man became a living person. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and they... Then there he placed the man he made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and then produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jump down to verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat the fruit, you are sure to die. He then goes on to naming the animals. um, And then God's trying to find him a helper. And it says, verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took Um, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man explained, this one is the bone from my bone and the flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from me. Verse 25, now the man and the wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Chapter three, the serpent who was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden there we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat of it or touch it or you will die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took of the fruit and she ate it. We're going to pause there. Point number one, the consequence of choice. Eve has two chapters in the Bible. Her, two cho- her choice affects the rest of the Bible and gives us the Bible stories. Eve's choices have affected her world. It affected Adam as well. My question was, why would God give him choice? It's because God is not a controlling God. If you know a glimpse of God's character and who he is, he's not a dictator. He's a loving God who wants the best for us, but he also wants us to choose 
to have a relationship with him. Without choice, there is no choosing. There's power in your choice, and in every single day, you'll have a choice to choose good or bad, and this will affect your life, good or bad. In the, in the chapter 3, we go from the enemy that embodies an animal. It's referred to the serpent. The serpent then tempts. Eve questions. Then Eve tries to defend herself. Then the serpent questions God. And then the serpent tries to bring humanity to God's level. God is God. There is no other and will never be. We cannot get on the same level as God. We will never be on the same level as him. See, the serpent of lies, which is referred to in the Bible as a father of lies, our enemy, plants his first lie into humanity there, thinking that we can um, win our way up to God's level, that we can get up to God's level. And he knew that he could play with a woman's mind. Chapter 27 says, so God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. The enemy is coming after us who hold the image of God. We are his image bearers here on earth. He created us. We are the created. He is the creator. It goes into Genesis, um, in Genesis 3, 7. Um, I won't reference it right now. Um, but it talks about how God actually seeks them out and actually asks them why they did what they did. Then he goes and attacks the enemy, the serpent, because he, Eve had referenced and said that it was the serpent who made me eat it, which who knows pointing the blame on someone else doesn't help, right? In John, it also tells us that the thief, who is our enemy, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He was coming in and trying to divide between human, the creator, the created, and the creator, and coming trying to um, steal, kill, and destroy our relationship with our heavenly Father. See, in the what God intended for good in Eden, it was the most magnificent garden you've ever seen. Humanity was in right relationship with God. There was nothing wrong. There was no sickness. There was nothing that could have gone between man and God. But then sin entered in and the enemy entered in to try to destroy that relationship. I'm quite, quite, quite annoyed. This is my frustration of um, the enemy trying to attack the image bearers and our identity and who we see ourselves and how God sees us and how he's created us to be. I'm sick and tired of um, competitions, of looking the best and all that. I used to be in personal training and that, and it was like a strive, strive, let's get bigger, let's look better. And it's like, when you're, when you're in that mind track going that way, you're actually losing track of who actually created you and how you're supposed to look. And with that confidence and that boldness that rises up in us, as image bearers, that actually gives us strength to walk it out. I can't work out as much to follow through with what God's called me to do if I'm not actually looking to him and looking to the weights. Does 
that make sense? Sorry, that was a side tangent. I just get very passionate about this because God's created us in his image. In his image, he created us. He's created us. You are beautiful. You are uniquely made in just the way God wanted you to be. You need to come back to the truth and get that as your muscle builder. That is your thing that you look to, to getting our identity soaked in that. The schemes of the enemy are real. But God's given us a guide and boundaries and um, the Bible to give us guidance. This is our roadmap through life and how we best can serve God. God's commands, sometimes you can read the Old Testament and get freaked out about the commands and what God's saying. But God's only birthing stuff out of goodness and love for us to keep us on the right track to meeting him in a fresh new way. See, I'm a mom of two very wild boys. And they are at the age where they just like to test my boundaries in everything and anything. And um, so they love wrestling, they're boys, and that's what they should do, right? Um, but my youngest is starting to bite. And he is trying to find his way in the family of where he fits. So he knows if him and his brother are wrestling, if he bites his brother, he'll scream. And then this is, he wins kind of thing. Um, but the way that I have, in a loving way, disciplined in the way God's put these beautiful angels in my life to direct through this world... He's put them in my, um, my hands to try to shape and form as the best humans possible that I actually need to put boundaries in their lives and give discipline to make sure that they are loving what God's commands are love God, yourself, and others. So if he's not going to be loving his brother, he's not, um, not doing one of the commands. If he's not loving himself and trying to like fight his way and like, He's not looking after his own well-being. He's loved that and love God. So for me as a mother, he goes into a timeout for a bit. I don't. <laughs> do not bite him back. Um, but he gets time to think through. And he goes in timeout for two minutes. When he's done, I go and I approach him and I say, Hey, buddy, do you, do you know why you're in timeout? And usually it's like, well, Huey did this. And I say, I understand. But the best way you can love your brother is use your words. And I have to try to help guide and direct him. And it's over and over again he goes to time out. But soon he's going to learn. Do you think God's like that with us? Over and over again he's probably tried to tell us, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Don't do that. And yet we just kind of want to push those boundaries. Right? Just like God is always true to his word, so he was in Genesis 2. Eve's choice brought sin into the world, but God had to get them out and, allow, and make them leave paradise. Even though Eve made a choice that brought sin into the world, God's abounding love and grace would selflessly have the choice, and he made the choice to sacrifice his son. To redeem the relationship between God and humanity. See, we have the ability 
And God's told us in Genesis, it says there, that um, we would tread on the serpent. We still have the ability to speak to the serpent. The enemy is real. He is out today. He's trying to still kill and destroy and come between God and his image bearers. He's still out there, but he's given us the power and the authority to stomp on the head of the serpent. We have the choice. And when our choices, God has actually given us the Holy Spirit as our guide to making good choices now, which is the beautiful thing. Point number two, the power of shame. It was from Eve's choice that led them to feeling shame. Genesis 3, 7. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Shame affects our identity, our ability to see clearly. It affects how we see ourselves and it affects how we actually see others. Shame can be crippling. Sin brings shame. And what keeps us in our shame is the enemy pointing it out and poking and saying, oh, you sh- that's, that's sin. Oh, and he can actually do a good job with keeping us in that shame. Shame can bound us up. But if you know God and you know Jesus, he wants to break those chains of shame that cannot no longer hold us there. It goes from chapter 2 where they were naked and felt no shame to then going into chapter 3 where they're covering up. I love it in verse um, 8. It says, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. How beautiful is that? They knew God, their creator, so intimately that they knew what his footsteps sounded like. That is like the most intimate you could get with God. Knowing, oh, he's coming. Yes, they felt shame and they hid, but they knew it was God coming. And the beautiful thing in this verse here is that, um, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I'm here. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God pursued them. In their shame, in their hiding, God came after them. I love that about our God. He will not leave us where we were and where the world may put us. He's actually there, and he wants to chase after us. Today, there's probably people in this room that say, oh, but if only God knew what I did, the sin and the shame. Can I tell you, he already does. He was already there. He's walking with you. He understands. But he wants you to come to him, to restore that relationship or maybe start that relationship. See, what if Adam actually never told God, I'm here? God knew where he was. Shame leads us into hiding, but we're never alone in that with God. He understands the emotion, the hurt, and the pain that can come in shame and sin. And he understands. He's there. He gets us. He wrote the handbooks to our lives. When we feel shame, a common human mistake is that actually we um, retreat. We step away from community. We say we're busy. We allow our yes to be, ah, I actually don't feel like it today. And we shrink back. See, those emotions that you feel, they're real. 
but there is a real enemy that's actually trying to keep you away from what God's called us into, and that's community and relationship. He is actually trying to attack what God has tried to pull together, his church. There are times where I've struggled with mental health in the past, and it's, I'm very much an introvert, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God's given me tactics of, okay, so if I know that I recharge best on my own, okay, then Mondays is my time. So I schedule and I lot that. And then I have the ability to say yes to everything else that happens in my week. And if I know something is coming up and it's like, oh, maybe that's on a Monday. Well, God's giving me the understanding, the scheduling that I can be like, oh, I'll just bump my time and the recharge time another day. Like, there's an ability in that to um, make the choice. Because God's called me into community. So especially if it's a church event, like maybe park parties. And I've put my name down on that list. And I've met with people all week. God's given me grace that I can still go to that party because I said yes. And I can maybe, I'll, I'll schedule tomorrow afternoon to just breathe. And that's okay. It's learning who you are and how you um, operate in things and allowing community to be a place where we actually recharge and where we're sharpened rather than a place that's like, oh, this is timid. I like to be home. No, God's given us community. Sometimes you just got to step out a little bit more and get into that mix. In between verse six and verse seven in chapter three, it was their eyes were opened. That was the point. That was the point that sin came in the world. Life as it was supposed to be was shattered and broken. The enemy had attacked God's goodness, his image bearers. Genesis 3, 7, at that moment their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. Um, Stephen and I had a dog named Charlie Houdini. She's my first... Not my first love. I was going to say that. No, no, no. I meant like, she's, she was like my child before I had kids. Um, I love my dog, Charlie. But this one day, Charlie was, um, Stephen was over at the beach. and We lived across the beach in Australia. And I opened the door to tell Steve that dinner was ready. And our dog like swept from under my legs and like ran and sprinted across to where Steve was. And on her way over was hit by a car. And that was heartbreaking. And I just remember screaming um, and you hear this whelping, whelp, whelping, yeah, of a dog. Um, but then she ran and hid in the bushes. And so Steve and I had to figure this out. Don't worry. She lives on. She's three-legged now. She's a, she like chases down kangaroos. She's, all that being said, she went to the bushes. I was just telling the end of the story. So you're like, oh. Stephen had to crawl into the bushes and find her dog, bring her out. And we had to take her to the vet. She lives on today. Good story. Ended well. But the point of that story was that she ran to the bushes right away. Why wouldn't she have run home to me or Steve? She ran to the bushes. It's actually known in wild species, us as well, but that we will um, learn to conceal our injuries and our disease, our pain, to prevent us from seeing like we're weak. That's an easy target. We retract and we retreat. It's no one in animals and it's no one in humans that we will retreat. Oh, my faith feels weak. 
I'm not good enough. That is the enemy. You are good enough. He has created us for um, relationship with each other. This is serious, guys, that we don't retreat when we're feeling pain because there's in moments that I've been in group settings where I have felt weak, where I am like, oh, God, please, I need strength to get through this meeting or something like that. And there's been a moment in that where God has brought someone into my world to be like, hey, you're doing great. You're a great mom. Like, you can do this. One word and that shame and that like, ugh, has been lifted because I've gotten community. I've like pushed through and I've got to a place where I've allowed people to actually speak into my world. But if you're not in a people's world and if you're not making the effort to get into people's worlds, well, then how can God speak through people to come to you? It was in Mark that the crippled man, it's his friends that lowered him into Jesus. It was his friends. It was his community Verse 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone, God said in Genesis. When Adam and Eve allowed God into their shame, they confessed. God gave them discipline and correction, but they confessed. That's another big part of the shame part. It says in 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a whole nother preach on its own. But even though we may feel like we've messed up, that we want to retreat, let us not allow the shame to keep us from relationship with God and his people. Point number three, the covering of mercy. The covering of mercy. Though Eve's choice brought shame, but God covered them with his mercy. Mercy is God's gift to the repentant heart. It says in Lamentations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. See, when God called to Adam and Eve, they answered, they confessed their wrongs. But it was the mercy of God and their repentance that leads to Genesis 3.21, where God produced coats of skin for Adam and Eve. Two chapters before this, we see God created animals. And he sacrificed that creation for his image bearers, his sons and daughter. And created coats of skin to cover them so they could walk out. It went from chapters before where it was this intimate fellowship with God to they got into this fear of God. But then I feel like from there they got into this, um, the healthy fear of God where it's like, okay, God's up there. He's on his throne. I will kneel. That he is all powerful, but I know where I stand in this. Around 4,000 years later from Adam and Eve, God would send his son Jesus as the ultimate act of love, mercy, and grace to cover any sin and shame. Jesus came to live a perfect, sinless life. He's referred to as the second Adam because Adam himself in Genesis could not live a sinless life. He was human. Man cannot do what only God can do. It says in James that the, his mercy will triumph over judgment. 
Our God's mercy triumphs over judgments. It's the mercy of Christ. It's the mercy of Jesus that covers us. Our past choices might have sent us on the path we are on today, but it's because of Jesus that we can live a sinless, shameless life. The mercy of God's character will cover us. Yes, he wants us to learn from our mistakes and our choices, but he's true to his word. That's why we can trust him. We all have messed up and fallen short, but it's because of Jesus that we can live in relationship with him. Even though we have messed up, God's mercy covers us. I want to finish with a few scriptures here. We can learn from the Old Testament, but now we live in this in-between of where Jesus' death and resurrection and is coming again. So there's still sin in the world. There's still an enemy out there. It says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Colossians 2, 13 to 14, and you who were dead in your trespass and uncircumcision of flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of our righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Even though... Eve brought sin into the world. It's because of Jesus today that you and I can live a free life cleansed of our sin and our shame. Eve shattered the relationship between God and humanity, but it's because of Jesus today. There is no barrier between humans and Jesus. He wants to walk a real relationship with you. Eve choice made history, but it's because of Jesus today that our past does not define us. Only Jesus does. I know carrying sin and shame feels heavy. It's because of Jesus though that took it, the weight of it on the cross that we can live with that shame lifted from us. Even though there is still an enemy out there, God has put him under your feet to crush him. Last scripture, Romans 5, 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as the, through the disobedience of one man and woman, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man that many would be made righteous. Don't allow your shame to stop you from the faithful, loving mercy of walking relationship with Jesus. He so desperately 
so desperately wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you walking with the weight of sin and shame on your life. He wants you to walk in freedom today. Amen. Even though that was our past and that happened, God is faithful and his mercy covers the multitudes of sin. If we want to close our eyes in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for sin and shame to be lifted. So if that's you, that you might feel like you have some shame in your past or sin that you're trying to deal with, if you just want to be brave and stand in your seat right now, we're just going to pray over you. This is a boldness that would rise up in you, that you would leave behind that old self. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are, oh God. Jesus, this is right now between you and your people. Heavenly Father, it's that in your name, your son Jesus, that this sin and this shame is wiped clean. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these bold people that are standing in this place today, God, that they're casting off their old self, the old sin, the old shame, and it's falling away in the name of Jesus. Right now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I can see images of like this um, cloak that's been put on you because you feel like you've been covered in sin and shame. But Jesus today is saying, let me take that off of you. You don't need to carry that sin and shame anymore. That is not yours to carry. My son, I sacrificed my son Jesus on the cross. I sacrificed him so that you could live free today. It's in Jesus' name that you will live free and in his name, free indeed. Heavenly Father, I thank you that these people are standing in boldness today saying, God, we want you. We want the freedom that you bring, God. So I thank you, Jesus, right now that that is shame is dissolving right now off their backs, off their minds. I thank you right now for the renewal of the minds, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, that you do not keep any records of wrong. You said in your word. Love does not keep any records of wrong. So I thank you, Jesus, right now that these records of wrong are just gone. In the name of Jesus, shame is gone. Sin is gone in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, right now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Let's just all stand in this place now. into a course or something okay we're gonna go into a course Phoenix will lead us and if this is just between you and the Lord right now if you have feeling like you want to come bow it's not to anyone but it's just between you and the Lord there's space up here if you want to sit in your seat do that this is between you and Jesus right now I just this is a time to respond and it's a to you if you want to respond and then Steve will come up and close the service but let's just take this time right now there's images that you just need to surrender there's words or thoughts you need to surrender this is between you and God right now so I thank you Jesus that you have your way your peace is in here thanks for listening 
To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.